conversations from the front lines of marketing. This is B2B Growth. All right, fellas. So I was mindlessly scrolling Twitter at two in the morning the other day, which is never a good sign. But JJ was deciding to be a a terror in the middle of the night. So anyway, stumble across this post from this guy named Ramon Van Meer on Twitter. And he says, Mark Benioff was 34 years old when he launched Salesforce, a $160 billion company. The marketing stunts he used are pretty amazing. And there was a thread of four different marketing stunts. I thought this was super ballsy and awesome. So I'm going to go over the four of them here. I want to get you guys' takes on these. So the first one, uh, he hired fake protesters. So when Salesforce launched in February of 2000, Mark Benioff hired fake protesters at a conference for their biggest rival, Siebel Systems. The protesters called for the end of software. Mark even hired a fake TV crew, Channel 22, to cover the quote-unquote protest. Siebel called the police. Big news story came out of it from this stunt. The Ghostbusters-inspired No Software logo was born. Hiring a fake TV crew seems <laughs> seems boldly over the top. What do y'all's take on this? Uh, the, the thing that stood out to me from this one is Siebel choosing to call the cops. You gotta gotta think about it. What that. PR does for Salesforce. <laughs> like yeah. if you know it's a fake protest, even though it's bad in in one sense, you made it so much worse by calling the cops. Like that's what then sends it into media coverage, into nightly news, into all the stuff is and and then who's gonna win that? Clearly Salesforce is gonna win that. The the creativity of this, it's like, thank you for calling the cops because now the real news shows up. Yeah. I, I wonder if this happens. In 2002, 2003, instead of 2000, when Siebel kind of knows the PR mastermind that that Benioff <laughs> is, like they probably don't call the cops. I would imagine, if knowing what you know, they would come soon to find out from all these like crazy freaking stunts that he pulls. Dan, what's your take? There's a certain marketer out there. They're very, very few. But they're just PR geniuses and not PR like, oh, I'm building relationships with journalists so they might mention my company. It's like this PR stunt thing. Elon Musk, brilliant. Yep. Dave Ryan Gearhart Holiday. in the B2B space, brilliant yep. at this kind of stuff. Ryan Holiday, same, same thing. Hard. And it's like, I get so mad because I wish desperately I had the skill. And maybe someday I'll be able to hang out with somebody enough that I could learn through osmosis, like the goodness. But I hardly know anybody that does this. But it's genius. It's beautiful. As a marketer, I can't help but happen to like take my metaphorical hat off, put it over my heart, and be like, "Yes." <laughs> it's it's I, almost like it's so good. It, it's almost like that creator skill set that we've talked about before of just like this almost like gut level understanding of what's going to resonate on the internet with a particular group of people. But it's like we know what's going to resonate with reporters or people that are it is their business to talk about yep. what's happening. Yep. So it's almost like a meta creator kind of skill set. The second one that he calls out here, he said he hired cabs to pitch Salesforce to a rival at a competitor's event. So there was a Siebel event in Cairns and most people flew in uh, and had to take a 45 minute cab ride to get to the event. So Mark commandeered all the taxis and used them to deliver a 45 minute pitch of Salesforce. Savage, 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 savage move. My favorite one in this whole feed by far is this one. 
And I think, yes, it's that knowing what's going to resonate, right? But it's also, this is just ballsy. This is this is just a step above normal marketing and PR and going, I'm willing to take some risks. All of these involve, oh, this could go one of two ways. But the fact that you have to sit through the 45-minute pitch, I would just be laughing that entire <laughs> cab ride. I mean, how can you not? It, who thinks of that? And then you can't see it because this is primarily an audio podcast, but the cabs, he has one of them. I don't know how he probably didn't do this to every single cab, but there were at least some cabs that are white on the outside and they have like this no software slapped on it. So you're driving up to this event in a Salesforce car. You know, if they would have done that today, that just would have gone viral completely. Yeah. Like people would be taking pictures of it, posting it. It would have been the buzz. Everybody would be like, did you? And I'm sure it was at the event. I'm sure people stepped in the event. Did you see the Salesforce cars out there? Dang. Like, you know, there was buzz in the event, but there wasn't a lot of social back then to document it so we can go back to it other than maybe what reporters covered. B2B brands are on a hamster wheel trying to create more and more awareness. They're putting so much work into creating awareness and not nearly enough work into making sure that the content they're putting out is actually good. You can pay to build awareness. Brands do that all the time. But does the content resonate? The question should be, how do we create content that builds affinity? And that's where Sweetfish comes in. We're here to help you build your market's favorite show, not just another show. Learn more at sweetfishmedia.com. It's fun seeing these because obviously other folks have done stuff like this. Elon's a master of this with the like smashing out the window thing and the window breaking. Did he do it on purpose? Did he not do it on purpose? Did he know that if the window actually broke and he said it didn't broke, it wasn't going to break, everybody was going to talk about it. But that idea is why we're putting a lazy river in the creator studio that we're building. And it was affirmed that like it's doing stuff like that, that seems stupid or it seems like way over the top, but I had actually hadn't even closed on the land yet. And the Orlando business journal had already written an article because we had to submit our plans to the city when we were buying the land. And so the Orlando business journal got a hold of it and they, they had already written an article about it. I was a little worried about it, honestly, when it first came out, because I was like, we haven't even closed on the land yet. And, and you're like over here, like telling the business community in Orlando that we're putting a lazy river and an electric go-kart track in this space that we're building. But it proved that doing outside the box stuff, doing weird stuff, making bold bets like that will often be the best marketing dollars that you can spend. So like the $100,000 that we spend on putting a lazy river in the creator studio, it'll pay for itself probably in the first year, honestly. And it will become the thing that everybody in Orlando talks about that is looking for a creative co-working space. This third one, Ramon says, he turned a canceled Oracle keynote into a media frenzy. Not sure how Mark even landed a keynote speech as Oracle was his big rival, but he somehow did. Oracle tried to move his speech to later into the week. I don't know why they just didn't cancel it altogether. And he used this to start another stunt. Benioff issued a press release saying Oracle had canceled his speech and he would instead talk at a nearby restaurant. The release said, sorry, Larry, the cloud can't be stopped. Journalists loved it. Uh, as many would attend his talk instead of going to the conference. Again, how the heck Oracle let Mark Benioff have a keynote speech at their event? That seems kind of wonky and weird. And then the fact that they didn't cancel it, they just moved it to later in the week. 
also kind of weird. So I don't, I don't know if there's you know, 23 years of translation of this story. I don't know how much of this is real, but. Mark Benioff was one of the fastest growing, like he climbed the career letter at Oracle and he was next in line to be CEO. He was on that track to be CEO of Oracle after Larry. But he went instead and launched his own thing because he had the foreknowledge to know that the cloud was going to be a bigger way to do things because on-premise software was such a pain to install and update and patch and all that kind of stuff. The funny part is, is like Salesforce runs on Oracle. So as Salesforce has grown, like they write, they send more money to Oracle every single year. <laughs> it's kind of the funny thing about all this. Um, but I could see why he would have a conference session. He was a senior leader at Oracle for a long time and had probably been okay. brought in a lot of money for them over his 10 year, whatever span there. I just like that he's figuring out a way because they didn't cancel it. They moved it. Yeah. He's going, I'll, I'll one up that. I won't just come do the session later in the week. I'll just say you guys canceled it. <laughs> and then I'll go off a restaurant. And then, I mean, again, this is one of those things where if Instagram or any social, like LinkedIn had been really heavy into pictures and stuff, you can imagine how this would just pop off and this would be everywhere. And if journalists already liked it, I'm sure it, it did, but I imagine it currently. And just showing up at a restaurant and it's packed out and people are like, what the heck is going on in here? The thing that I think of with, with stuff like this, the context you gave there, Dan, is, is helpful for me because I'm like, it seems like, you know, he's 34 years old, but because he was a rising star at Oracle, the media clearly already knew who he was. I mean, if he was going to be next in line to Larry, then the media probably already knew who he was. Because I'm like, why are more people not doing this kind of stuff today? And there's... One, I mean, the ethical qualms of that, right? Like they didn't cancel his speech. They moved his speech. He says they canceled it. Like that's gross. Like I don't want to, the attention would be great, but to me personally, it's not worth the ethical decision that you have to make to lie. But this stuff worked back then because you're talking 2000. I mean, like social was not what social is today. And now because there's so much supply, like the, the feed is so crowded. There's so like... Would something like this actually stand out today? I don't know that it would because we're it's so noisy. Like the world of online is so noisy. And everything that he was doing, I don't want to say it was easier because it was, you look at it and it's like, apart from the ethical qualms of it, it's brilliant. But he had to impress a small group of people or he had to wow or get the attention of a small group of people, journalists. Because at that point, journalism... I mean, journalists controlled the internet. I mean, it was whatever these big publications talked about is what people consumed. Now that's been so fragmented and fractured where we're all journalists now. Like everybody is putting out content, putting out their narrative, putting out, it's not in the hands of a few anymore. And so you have to now impress or wow or get the attention of a lot of people as opposed to just a few that would find this interesting and, and think that, that though, or is there the, the journalists? Yes. That in, in, for that day, that's a byproduct of this situation that ended up being great for him because it gets bigger because the journalists found it. But think about creating raving fans just from that event. You did mm. this thing that they will remember forever. So you might, you yeah. don't need the attention of everybody, but the people that remember attending your talk in a restaurant, they love this story and they will tell that story. So I think there's multiple angles to look at it from and having other people share that story is it's like one of those urban legends 25 years later. So that's where I think there is a, 
a both and here that is probably true. I like your point, but I would also just say, man, you attend that event and you you'll remember the everything around that. He gets some some kudos, some bonus points for yeah. it. Yeah. All right. This last one that, that Ramon talks about, he said he slapped back at a Microsoft gorilla marketing stunt. So in 2010, so this is deep into the game at this point, Microsoft tried to use a Benioff style stunt on Salesforce by hiring people to ride around in segways at a Salesforce conference with a sign showing an older man with a slogan that said, I didn't get forced. So clever plan words there. But during Benioff's keynote speech, he brought the man in the ad on stage and begged the fake customer to use Salesforce. The man agreed, the crowd stood and cheered. So the work that went into find, like tracking down that dude in the ad, bold, super lucky that this guy actually agrees to do it and go up on stage at the Salesforce conference when he's being used. I would think that this guy was a Microsoft executive or person on the Microsoft team. So clearly wasn't, or he wouldn't have gone on stage and like played into this stunt. But what are y'all thoughts on this last one? Makes sense. Just fast thinking, reacting to the situation. He's like, he probably turned over to his right hand person and said, find me that guy. (laughs) And then whoever that was, was just like, yes, captain. (laughs) (laughs) And then they went and made it happen. And who knows what they had to do to get that done. But he had to had the idea that like, oh, go find the person because I know how to turn this around. All four of these stories kind of give me three questions or three takeaways. I would start asking what good can come from this. How can we kind of take advantage of this moment? And how can we one-up this idea? Because in some of these cases, it's someone else has an event and I'm essentially co-opting that event and turning it into a Salesforce thing. In that situation, it's how can I take advantage of this moment? What can we do in this situation? When someone's coming to your event and they have people on segways with this type of promo, okay, now in that situation, you start to ask more of how do we like, what good can come from this? How can I one up their idea? And using that sort of just on your feet thinking allows for some of these moments where people just, you know, they're going to remember Salesforce forever. They're going to include this in books. And so in our marketing too, like how you respond to other people's stuff matters a lot because you can piggyback on whether it's pop culture stuff, when other people's marketing campaigns I saw, was it ClickUp and Monday.com? They got into a billboard war recently in New York City where they were putting billboards right next to each other and they're like referencing the fact that they're right next to each other. So stuff like that plays well and having the eye to see it and uh, think of how you can take advantage of it is probably what I like the most of all of these stories. Here's my takeaway. Mark Benioff is crazy. That's it. (laughs) 